Hello, everyone. Welcome to another DMV Comic Book Nerds podcast. Today, we are reviewing Riverdale Season 7, Episode 4, Chapter 121, Love and Marriage. I'm Freddie. And I'm Kennedy. And we are just two Riverdale fans who have come together to discuss this episode with all of you. Really quickly, we'd like to apologize for any audio glitches that you noticed during this episode. Unfortunately, we weren't aware of the audio problems until after it was fully recorded. We've done a bit of re-recording here and there, and some of it we've left as it is, but we hope that you're still able to understand most of what we're saying, and we hope that you're still able to enjoy this podcast. Thanks. All right. So, uh, how are you doing today, Kennedy? I'm very well. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, have you heard any good Riverdale news lately? Well, it's not exactly news, but uh, something that we mentioned last episode was that Cheryl calls Tony Serpentina. Um, and I don't know if this was what the Riverdale writers were referencing, but uh, I actually stumbled across the name Serpentina while I was doing some reading the other day. Um, it may or may not be from E.T.A. Hoffman's short story, The Golden Pot. Uh, there's a character named Serpentina in that. Interesting. Yeah, she's literally a snake. So. <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool. Can you tell us when that story came out? Ah, uh, gosh, I guess it must have come out like 1920s, but I'm not 100% sure. I think it was probably either late 19th or early 20th century. Very cool. Yeah, I wonder if that is a reference. Just like a nickname. <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, it could just be a coincidence. It would be a pretty obscure reference if it was. I guess maybe they were just thinking like snake, serpent, Tina, mm-hmm. you know, a sort of feminine diminutive. I don't I don't know. Who who could tell with Riverdale? Serpentina's a good name, but I think they should call her Serpentoni. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, I don't have a lot of news this week, but I think I did see that there was a new interview with KJ Appa. Oh, really? Yeah. Have you seen anything about that? No, I haven't. Have you watched it? Uh, I have not. Um, maybe I should have. It's a written interview, actually. I'll probably go back and look at it. Uh, I think I did a few bits from it. Um, what did I see about this uh, interview? I think he said something along the lines of, like, they're going to examine Archie's sexuality this season. Mm. <laughs> maybe well, something, good. Maybe something with him and Reggie. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> you, you think you think it's going to be that kind of exploration? He said, like, uh, let me see if I can pull up the quote. Um, he said. Okay, here it is. So the interviewer says. It's at the time, the show has been really looking at the repression of that era and how young people weren't allowed to express themselves. How has that been playing this more innocent Archie? Because I know Betty is just ready for it. And then so KJ Appa says, um, well, it's interesting because we are exploring what it was like for everyone back then and right now. We're just starting into a storyline with Archie and Reggie. And I won't spoil anything, but we really do get to dive into that. 
it's usually the girls who get the cool kind of exploration of sexuality in terms of gender roles and stuff like that. And I feel like the boys haven't had that much of a chance to do that. So I find that really interesting. And soon we're getting into that. And I think people are going to love it. I mean, I definitely love it. End quote. <laughs> wow. Okay. I mean, yeah, that's kind of hard to misconstrue. Yeah. So like, uh, we shall see what he was talking about. <laughs> I, I'm here for it. Yeah, this is an interview with TV Insider. So it's all about KJ Apple just kind of like reflecting on Riverdale and, uh, and talking about the final season. And uh, I'm not sure if you're aware, but KJ Apple is a Barchi stan. Oh, <laughs> he's rooting for Barchi. Oh, okay. I thought you said Varchi, and I was like, no, but Varchi. Varchi is good. This is yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> He's rooting well, for um, Betty ends up with Archie. But he says he doesn't know yet. He says uh, they haven't filmed the ending yet, so he doesn't even know. Oh, they're keeping it even from him. <laughs> Apparently. But he did say that they are still in the 50s. At, oh, at the oh point wow. He was... Uh, was taken so <laughs> they're yeah they're they're gonna have us waiting for a while huh they are all right so um we spoke a little bit about reggie i just wanted to say like i haven't talked about him a lot on the podcast yet because i know he's coming like i've seen that he's in some of the promo pictures for the season i haven't gotten rid of reggie but it it has been like four episodes. That, um, maybe he's busy. I know he's in that. Uh, there's a Hulu show called History of the World, Part Two. Have you heard about that? I have not. I didn't realize he was filming something else. Yeah, like it, I watched a little bit of it. It's pretty funny. Uh, he's funny. Everybody in that show is kind of funny, and um, it's it's kind of like a sequel to like the old Mel Brooks movie history of the world so it's definitely just like a comedy um it's fun to see him kind of stretch his comedic chops a little bit yeah good for him so um hopefully we'll see him back on riverdale soon in the meantime uh let's get into the episode are you ready oh yeah i'm very ready all right, so uh, this episode was written by Chrissy Maroon, who has been a writer and story editor since season four. And then it was directed by Claudia Yarmi, and this is her third Riverdale directing credit. Uh, she's done lots of other shows, but um, just a couple episodes of Riverdale. Interestingly, this writer and this director both started on the Ides of March episode. Do you remember that one? Oh, you're going to have to remind me of what happens in that. Well, basically, it was the Ides of March. <laughs> <laughs> and they kept saying that over and over and over. Like, did you know it's the Ides of March? <laughs> like, this was in season four when, when um, Jughead was at the prep school. And... Oh, yes. This is coming back to me now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a while back. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if that has a lot of relevance to this episode, but I do know that the writer was tweeting about it. She said uh, it was exciting to uh, 
be working again with the same director and you know and um putting that together all right as always we like to uh highlight the artwork for the episode from the script covers uh you can see this if you're on spotify or if you browse um roberto aguirre sacasa's instagram this week we have a picture of Archie and Cheryl making out right in front of Betty and Veronica, who look very frustrated. Archie saying, Betty, Veronica, who are they? Because this, <laughs> this is an issue of Archie's Love Showdown special. This was a miniseries from 1994. And this was not Cheryl's first appearance, but this was pretty early on in her uh, history. And she was very much, at the time, she was just kind of like a spoiler between who's Archie going to pick, Betty or Veronica. Cheryl would show up and, you know, make it all about her. (laughs) And at the time, she was written as heterosexual. Um, It was the 90s. I mean, I don't know what to say about it. I'm sure we'll have a lot more to say about it in this episode. But, um, yeah, and basically at the end of the story... Archie chooses Cheryl over Betty and Veronica. And this was a huge deal at the time. It was publicized as like an end to the love triangle. And it received more publicity than any other event in Archie history at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so I think it's really cool that they're kind of like aware of this history and leaning into it a little bit. Um, even if it's going to upset some of the fans, like I, 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 from what I've seen online, you know, Cheryl fans have been through it. <laughs> um, but we're both Cheryl fans. Like, what do you think? Well, I think I said like in the first episode that I was um, a little worried that it was going to be a lot of gay suffering in this season. Um, and I think so far I've been proven right. Yeah. Um, and also as a Cheryl fan, I hate I hate to see my girl suffer as well. But also, I love seeing the Blossoms. I love seeing them get together and do shenanigans with each other. Um, so in a way, even though it hurts my girl Cheryl, I really liked um, get, getting to see more of them, especially like in this different time period um, and, and seeing how they kind of like metamorphosize their their characters for the 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 other timeline yeah i agree like uh my main thought about it is just that uh no matter how much i love these characters i fully expect them to go through struggles to um have challenges about whatever it is you know and it's not going to be easy for them all the time so I'm not surprised that the writers have, uh, you know, put some obstacles in Cheryl's path and and, and the other characters as well. But um, I'm confident that they will give her a happy ending um, when we get down to it. They better. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, if they don't, (laughs) they're in trouble. (laughs) uh, The fans will revolt. But... um, (laughs) we'll see um all right so let's dive into this episode um here's a quick summary 
After enlisting Archie's help, Cheryl's plan to fool her family spirals out of control. Jughead turns to Veronica for help after finding himself in some trouble, and Betty gives Kevin an ultimatum. All right, so this episode starts in the principal once again, uh, where, where we left off. Um, principal Featherhead and Sheriff Keller are accusing uh, Jughead and Ethel of working together. And, of course, they're denying it. And uh, Sheriff Keller decides to take them to the police station. He escorts them through the school, past everybody. So, And Veronica sees Jughead being taken away. She's a little bit concerned. Um, any thoughts so far? I mean, this was a bit reminiscent of the time that uh, in season one, Cheryl uh, stood up in class and was like, I confess, I did it. You know, the implication being that she murdered uh, Jason. <laughs> then, uh, then, you know, we come back from commercial break and she's like, to be clear, I didn't kill him. <laughs> <laughs> I just lied. Um, <laughs> but I, I, you know, this is far from the first time that a student has been marched through the halls of Riverdale High flanked by uh, police officers. Um, but it also did kind of crack me up that uh, Ethel was like, I think I should talk to a lawyer. And they were like, no, you're just you're you're going to jail. No lawyer. No <laughs> lawyer ever appears. That's what I'm saying. Like the only lawyer that we ever knew in Riverdale was Josie's mom. And now we don't have Josie or her mom. So oh, who true. Else gonna be in there? <laughs> well, we have we have Penny Peabody of the Serpents, but I guess she's probably not going to take on this <laughs> charity case. Was she a lawyer too? I think she was a lawyer. I think that was her whole thing was like that she helped the the serpents out by being their lawyer. They put her through law school and she would uh, help them out. Yeah. But I could be misremembering. Right. Uh, I I mean, I always thought they dealt with everything like through gang law. <laughs> but, but <laughs> well, I'm sure I, I think, internally, but. Yeah, I think she was like their lawyer. All right. Well, um, okay. So that happened here. And then. We get kind of a sequel to the Julian Archie scene from last episode. Julian confronts Archie in the locker room again. He's like, hey, what are you doing with my sister? And then Archie's <laughs> totally blindsided. He's like, what do you mean? Like, you're the one who told me to go out with her. <laughs> like, well, I didn't mean you had to, like, go all the way and such and such. So Cheryl's family is mad because she has told them that Archie went all the way with her. Um, yeah, he pinned her. He really pinned her. He did, or at least according to Cheryl. <laughs> yeah, Archie's like, huh? What's going <laughs> on? So then we um, have an Archie-Cheryl scene where he's trying to let yeah. out what's going on. And she uh, admits, like, you know, I know we didn't have sex, but I need you to kind of let go with me because like I need you to protect me from my family is that what she says in this scene yes she keeps it very vague but she says you know there I just I need your help I need you to lie about this and Archie being way too nice for his own good is like yeah sure yeah um then we have a Betty and Kevin scene and they're outside on the school uh in the school in the yard out front it looks like it's winter time like um 
that's interesting. Like, I don't know if they're trying to show that time has passed or because I feel like not a lot of time has passed. Like, they just had the dance. Ethel's parents just died. It wasn't winter an episode ago. (laughs) But maybe it's just um, fluctuating weather. I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe they had like a a bit of a, a you know what? I'm not sure actually because I guess if it had been fall before, then we would have seen the leaves and stuff. But Riverdale can sometimes be a bit like atemporal where they don't really show any weather. <laughs> but yeah. you're right. This episode, they were very like you could see snow, for example, outside of the Blossoms' house, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, huh. That's, I mean, it looks beautiful, but uh, I didn't realize it was winter either. Maybe yeah. they're setting this up for a Christmas episode. Oh my goodness. Uh, I don't know if I'm ready for that. It's, it's barely spring. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'll see. Um, all right. So Kevin uh, returns Betty's sex book and he says, I know what you want now, but. Uh, I've decided that I want to wait for marriage. And he drops that like it's a bomb. Like, <laughs> it got so dramatic there. And I was like, well, th- I guess that is a realistic, um, you know, point of view for the 50s. But between Betty and Kevin, I just feel like that is such a cruel choice because uh, we already know he's not interested in her, really. So to kind of set that, uh, to kind of move the goalposts in their relationship, is like just delaying the inevitable. But, yeah. Betty, but Betty sees through that. And she's like, you know what? I'm tired of you making all the decisions in this relationship. I have decided that we are no longer going steady. So they essentially break up here. Yeah, I mean, I guess we all saw this coming a little bit. It's not like a huge shock. Mm-hmm. But Betty is very upset, and Tony comes to console her. Um, they talk a little bit about it. Tony was a little surprised because Tony would have guessed that Betty wanted to wait for marriage. But Betty said, actually, I wanted to uh, get more intimate with him. So... Uh, that was an interesting scene. Like I, I liked how supportive Tony was. I like seeing their friendship come back into play here. What'd you think? Oh yeah, no. I mean, it's and I've said before that that Riverdale does this kind of like funny thing where they're never really sure who's friends with whom. But <laughs> I, I like these two characters hanging out with each other. And um, you know, for a moment, I was like, is Tony gonna put the moves on her now? But uh, <laughs> she seems to know the time and place. <laughs> yeah, like Tony's got her eyes set on one woman and one woman alone. <laughs> All right, so. Next, uh, Veronica visits Jughead in jail. Uh, Ethel's there too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Veronica points out that, uh, well, Veronica says she's going to put on her Nora Charles hat. And Jughead catches her reference. He says, Thin Man is one of his favorite films. So this is. Uh, continuing their uh connection here which is interesting like i kind of love that veronica's found someone who gets her because we know archie never got like any of references (laughs) 
Yeah, in a way, this kind of makes sense because, I mean, we know that Jughead reads a lot and watches a lot of movies, um, or at least like he did in the contemporary timeline, and it makes sense that he still does that. Um, And we know that Veronica was always referencing very, you know, relatively speaking, obscure things. And and so some part of me was like, yeah, this this tracks. But uh, of course, you know, instead of getting a lawyer, uh, Jughead and Ethel get Veronica, who is, it seems like maybe almost as good as a lawyer, considering the events that follow. Right. um, (laughs) Yeah. You know, (laughs) she decides to go see the coroner and get some more information. And this is kind of uh, disappointing because, like, I think a lot of fans were like, are we going to see Dr. Curl Jr. in the 50s? Yes. And and sadly, the answer is no. (laughs) I was so sad because, let me tell you, Dr. Curl Jr. is one of my favorite Riverdale characters. Mm -hmm. I love the way he talks. I love his creepy, like, expressions. Mm -hmm. And... I really thought they were setting us up to get to see him, but uh, unfortunately, Dude. we did not. Yeah, like uh, he's a fun character, so hopefully they will bring him back sooner rather than later, or hopefully they won't leave him out. But we'll see how if they do, because I hope that uh, you know maybe they did film a scene and maybe they just cut it too long. I don't know. That's what I was wondering too. But in the next scene, Mary confronts Archie uh, because she is made aware that uh, he was with Cheryl. And it's not good. It's not good at all. (laughs) And and that's where the title card. So next, it's time for... Archie to meet the parents. And there's a whole Blossom Andrews dinner at Thornhill. Uh, we see the return of Clifford Blossom. Find out that he's the mayor of Riverdale. And he's recently back from Washington, D.C. Uh, he name drops uh, Senator Joe McCarthy. Says he was hanging out with him. He asks Archie about the Russia problem. And Archie clearly doesn't know anything about it. But he says enough to earn Clifford's approval and uh, and put everybody at ease in this moment. Um, so what did you think about this room full of redheads? <laughs> well, I said earlier that I love it when the Blossoms get together and do their sh- shenanigans. Um, and I loved finding out that Clifford was the mayor. Well, I mean, it's it's not a good thing to find out. It's it's actually pretty dire for for Riverdale in the fifties <laughs> because he's probably not a very good mayor. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and and the fact that they have him aligning himself with Joseph McCarthy is is really funny to me, especially mm-hmm. considering the Blossoms' signature color is red. So mm-hmm. you'd think you know the red scare. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe you'd change your signature color, but they they've decided against it. He was wearing a spiffy little red blazer. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, Archie's response was was really funny. And I loved that they kept cutting back to Cheryl's face. She was sort of staring at him like, oh, please don't mess this up. Yeah. And so when Archie um, says the right thing, then Clifford goes on to compliment um, Archie's father. Uh, apparently, they he knew him or knew of him. And this leads to a scene outside where... Cheryl, uh, she basically says, 
I've never talked to you about your dad. And so she asks him a little bit about Fred and Archie tells her a little bit and they end up kissing. Then they play the classic 50 song Unchained Melody by the Righteous Brothers. And they're on this really picturesque bridge. Like it's a very long kiss. Like you don't really see it because they've zoomed all the way out. But um, it was interesting. Interesting. Uh, Meaning, meaning what? Just meaning that, like, I don't think anyone is rooting for Cherchi to be a thing, but um, but it wasn't like gag inducing, <laughs> like, <laughs> like some of the Bevan I, stuff. I I agree, and I also think that it helps that like Cheryl so obviously needs someone in her corner right now, and even though like the 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 signals are getting a bit mixed and the truth's not really coming out yet. Uh, it's it's nice that we know that she has someone as dependable and kind as Archie who's going like, to stand up for her. Yeah, like, I've always liked Archie and Cheryl's relationship when they get... She has always been in her corner. Like, he saved her life in season one. And, you know, um, I feel like uh, I didn't particularly like the times where Cheryl would forget about that and then, like, rail against him because he had some ancestor from hundreds of years ago who persecuted her ancestors like <laughs> like I feel like um, Cheryl in particular has uh, not been always a fan of Archie especially in River Vale where she killed him and ripped his heart out <laughs> <laughs> but um I like it when they get along or at least when they're friends or, you know, when they're supporting each other, even if she is kind of manipulating him here, it's not super malicious. It's mostly just to kind of like deal with her family who is more malicious. So um, we'll have more to say as that plot thickens, but next Betty and Tony arrive at the dark room. And really quickly, Tony tries to turn Betty around and says, oh, actually, we should probably leave because she notices that Kevin is slow dancing with Clay. And Betty sees this as well. And I'm just thinking like, uh-oh, is this going to be Betty's villain origin? <laughs> it really seems like that for a minute. And, uh, you know, there's this really funny meme and it's just like a meme it's just a joke it's not like canonical or anything but um there's a really funny meme that's like a homophobic betty mood board um (laughs) where like one of the pictures is her saying like you remember that line that she has to kevin where she's like why can't you just use grind him like any other guy when he's like (laughs) out cruising or whatever Mm -hmm. um and a bunch of other pictures of her like looking disgusted and I was thinking like oh this is another good screen grab for the homophobic <laughs> Betty uh, mood board. That's silly like I have not seen that meme I'm, I'm not surprised that it exists but um, <laughs> I feel like any other show though would have made this her like a, a moment for her to, to kind of like become antagonistic towards Kevin like not only have you betrayed me, but you betrayed me with a man. Like, how dare you? Like, you know. But thankfully, Riverdale is not that kind of show. And we will see more about how this plot turns out. But next, Veronica 
gets Jughead released from prison on a technicality because alibi. He was at the dance at the time of death, according to the coroner. Good job, Veronica. Yes, we're very proud of you, like I said, almost as good as a lawyer. And as usual, the teenagers kind of run this town. Like, Mm -hmm. she just goes up to the sheriff and she's like, um, I think you should release him. And and Sheriff Heller's like, okay. Now, unfortunately, that's not enough to get Ethel as well. So, next we're at Pops. And we see Jughead taking a huge bite out of a burger. And I loved that. (laughs) Just the... (laughs) The image of it. Like, we've seen Jughead eat food at Pops, but not like this. <laughs> like, he was he was eating like this was his first meal a really long time. And and he says that Jughead actually picked up Ethel um, on the way to the dance, and he took her to Lover's Lane and tried to get frisky with her until she was very upset. She, she did she Did she smack him or did she punch him? Oh, she smacks him. She slaps him. Yeah, yeah. She gave him a good slap. And she walks out of the car and Julian yells at her, tells her not to tell anybody. So that gives Jughead and Veronica the idea to talk to Julian. Meanwhile, uh, back at the Cooper house, uh, Betty tells Alice about her and Kevin breaking up. And Alice guilts Betty basically into staying with Kevin to help him overcome his quote-unquote sexual identity crisis. Yeah, Betty has a great line here where she goes to tell uh, Alice that they've broken up. And she said, but don't worry, Kevin's found a shoulder to cry on, a very manly shoulder. Mm-hmm. And, like, Alice is just determined to keep them together. Like I know. I'm like, what is your investment in this? Yeah. I'm it's very c- strange. Meanwhile, Jughead returns to his train car, and it's a huge mess. Uh, hot dog is missing as well. So when the cops were searching, they basically just ransacked the place. And now he's got to find hot dog. So sad. I I was really worried there for a second. I was like, surely they didn't kill Hot Dog, right? They would never. They wouldn't kill Hot Dog, right? <laughs> we we find out later that he's been at the dog pound, and Jughead just has to go pick him up. Um, but we'll get to that. Ooh. Um, the next scene is again with Mary and Archie. And Mary is just so upset with everything going on with Archie and Cheryl. She does not like the Blossoms. She says she always tried to keep a wide berth from them, but now they're going to be bonded together for life. Um, And Archie's like, why? Uh, He spoke so kindly about dad. But Mary tells Archie that Clifford is a hypocrite and a war profiteer. And Archie's like, how is he a profiteer? Apparently he was selling maple syrup at ridiculous prices during the Korean War. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is a classic Riverdale uh, uh, plot point because I'm not sure what the army would do with uh, maple syrup. Yeah. Was... But it can't be anything else. Mm-hmm. And then, so, 
Mary tells Archie that you have no choice. You have to get married to Cheryl. And then on top of that, you have to take a compatibility test at school. And Archie seems more upset by the fact that he has to take a test and he has to get married. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is he's a little bit of a hembo. Yeah, like I I gotta say, I am enjoying Archie's uh, acting because not only is he putting on an American accent, he's also just changed his entire persona. Uh, he has a little bit of a 50s style of uh, accent going on and he's uh, it's just like He's definitely putting in the work, I think. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. Totally agree with that. He's he's really even trying to, like, act very boyish, I think. Yeah, yeah, more young, more innocent. All right, so next, we have a scene with, with Fangs and Midge, or I guess we call them Fidge. And Midge has just told Fangs that she's pregnant and she's scared. But Fangs consoles her. He says that they'll figure it out together. Were you surprised by this? I I was. I, I mean, I think I told you last episode that I was wondering if they were going to have a teen pregnancy because it yeah. seemed like maybe their sex ed didn't go over condoms or anything. <laughs> and here we are. Yep. They must have uh, heard us talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, oh, that's a great idea. Put that in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next. Veronica and Jughead confront Julian. And Julian basically says, I'm a blossom, so I'm never going to admit to, you know, doing anything with Ethel. And so he's so disrespectful that Jughead is angry. He punches Julian and yells at him. And Julian agrees to confess. Good for Jughead. Again, like, this is, again, a situation where I'm like, I'm glad someone's in Ethel's corner because just one bad thing after another keeps happening to her. Yeah. I was surprised because I remember seeing this scene in the promo and I wasn't sure what was happening. I thought he might have been defending Veronica's honor. But the fact mm. that Ethel in this moment is, uh, is pretty, uh, pretty cool of him. Veronica is also supportive of, you know, getting justice for Ethel. I like that. Justice for Ethel. Yes. Queen. Uh, queen of drawing scary pictures. But <laughs> I have to say the punch did not look real at all. I mean, like, you hear this loud sound, but then you see Julian's face and it's totally fine. It's not bruised or bloodied whatsoever. And also, Love Jughead. Do I think he knows how to throw a punch? I don't know. I don't know if I buy that. Well, he's no Archie, but he definitely does put on a mean mug face, like and like like old fifties box boxer. I guess like, it was kind of funny, <laughs> like his form when he knocked Julian down. Yeah, he had like both fists up. He was ready. <laughs> um. Next, it's time for. Archie and Cheryl's compatibility test. And it's ridiculously like uh, they meet with Dr. Werther's. He only asks them like three questions. Um, like, what did he say? Like, are you guys friends? 
<laughs> yeah, have- it was. It was. Are you guys friends? Do you come from similar backgrounds? Yeah. And do you, do you understand, understand the concept the- of marriage? Yeah. And the <laughs> answer to literally all of those questions was no. So I'm shocked that they passed the the compatibility right. test. Of course, he passed them because they're both, you know. Young and heterosexual, I suppose, which is all. <laughs> That's the real compatibility test. Yeah. So Penelope and Mary are uh, hanging out, I guess. They received the good news from Dr. Werther's that Cheryl and Archie had passed the compatibility test. Penelope's excited because she's like, and they're both redheads. Isn't that wonderful? I'm like, this is giving me flashbacks to all the creepy uh, stuff. Learned about the blossoms in the past, about how they would uh, groom redhead children like Penelope to to marry into their family. You remember yes. all that stuff? Oh, oh yeah. Because I mean, Penelope's backstory is really quite sad. Yeah, at least in the old timeline. We don't know too much about this new timeline. Yeah, good point. So. Um, next, like, you know who was missing from the Blossom scene? I'm still missing Nana Blossom. Where was Oh, she? yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had everybody else but her. Yeah, I wonder if, like, the actors stopped being on the show, or, I don't know. I thought it was kind of a bummer, because she really adds something fun to the family dynamic, doesn't she? Yeah. She's doing okay. I think she actually is kind of an older actress, like, Sometimes younger actors use makeup and stuff to look older, but I think she actually is, you know, a senior, maybe. So I hope she's doing okay. And hope she can come back. Yeah, definitely. So for now, in this next scene, Fangs takes Tony's help regarding Midge. And he tells Tony all about Midge being pregnant Tony says the first thing that they have to do is take a test to see if she's actually pregnant. And she tells them to meet her in the school at midnight. And she says, can you dig it, big daddy? (laughs) This is the first time we've seen Fangs and Tony, I think, in a scene by themselves since season six where they were a couple and they had a baby. Like, (laughs) Yeah, good point. Like, he was her big daddy, you know? (laughs) Yeah, well, it's nice to see that they're still ride or die for each other, even though it's in a different way now. Yeah. Next, Betty confronts Kevin about finding him in, uh, in Clay's embrace. And this is in the music room. And first, Kevin denies it or, or downplays it. But then he apologizes and Betty actually comforts him. Like she's very supportive. She's like, I read chapter 20 in my book and it was about this type of uh, uh, sexual uh, identity. And and I don't understand, but I I think you're very brave. And he appreciates that. And um, what did you think of this scene? Well, I'm glad that Betty is, is choosing to be an ally after all, despite her uh, homophobic moments. But uh, 
I mean, that it's also interesting that 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 he reveals to her that the pin is not actually his, but is in fact Betty's mother's. And Betty's like, hmm, maybe my mother's manipulative in this timeline as well. Or at least that was what I was thinking. So actually, that happens a bit later. I think I, I think we both kind of skipped ahead with what happens in this scene. Oh, really? Yeah. Um... Hmm. Uh oh yeah, no, I see, I see. Yes, this is this is down um further. You're right. I guess they have a couple of moments where this where they have like this this kind of same conversation over, which is this is a little bit of a slow moving uh plot line, to be honest with you. Yeah, but um I think we can just go ahead and say that it is interesting that um that Betty chooses to be an ally here because if this were any other show, and even for this show, she has every reason to be mad at him. Like, um, especially with the way her mother is raising her. Like, and, and the times, like, um, you would think it would be more likely for her to be angry at him than to be understanding. But I think it's in, in Betty's nature to be understanding of her friends um, and to just try to so I like that about her character um, next we're at Pops and we get a scene where Archie and Cheryl are loudly slurping their strawberry shakes <laughs> <laughs> uh, she asks him to write a poem for her and he agrees and we also see Jughead and Veronica at Pops. And they refer to themselves as Nick and Nora Charles. Again, from the Thin Man movie. Um, I haven't seen that movie, but apparently Nick and Nora are the archetypical couple of mystery solvers. Which is uh, not a surprise that this show uh, uh, leans into that. Because we used to have that a lot with Betty and Jughead. So, yeah, Betty's getting replaced a little bit, huh? A little bit. At this point, Jughead reveals that uh, his train car is a mess, and Veronica insists that he stay in a room at the Pembroke, and he eventually gives in. And next, we have Tony and Fidge doing their pregnancy test. It's a natural pregnancy test involving her urine and a frog. (laughs) (laughs) Like, um, have you ever seen a pregnancy test like this before? Uh, no, I was kind of like, does that have any basis in reality? Can you actually, uh, put some pee in a frog and find out whether you're pregnant? I was very curious. Yeah. Apparently this is a real test. It's called the hog bend test. And it's, almost as accurate as modern pregnancy tests are. Um, This has been used a lot in the past, so it's very accurate. And and, uh, it was was funny that they did this because I think back to season six again, where when Tony had her baby and remember they went to Dr. Curl Jr. And he was like, I want to put a toad in the baby's mouth. Like this is a little different. (laughs) 
<laughs> they're always using frogs in there and 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 babies. There's something. <laughs> There's something... <laughs> Yeah, well, I was like, this is very resourceful of Tony, but I was just imagining her, like, chasing around a frog, trying to catch it with her hands. <laughs> I assume that they already had one in the science lab, but who knows? Oh, you think so? You think they're, they they just had, like, a class pet frog? No, I think they probably were uh, dissecting frogs at some point. Like, uh, I feel like that's a trope, that high schools dissect frogs. Oh, poor frog. <laughs> <laughs> but this was a living frog, so huh? I don't know. It could be any any reason how it came to be there, but it works. They find out that the frog has laid almost five hundred eggs, so so Midge is definitely pregnant. And Fangs says that you know he loves her, and so like they 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 want to be together. They want to make this work as much as possible. So that's cute. Um, any thoughts there? Well, I am just interested to see whether we're going to keep following this plot line, whether we're going to see like Fangs and Midge's um, teenage pregnancy uh, life after all of this. I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm really interested to see this play out. I didn't actually think they were going to do a, a teen pregnancy storyline, but uh, I didn't think they were going to do a frog laying egg storyline either. So... Uh, <laughs> You know, yeah, I I think it's fun. I think I think it's interesting. I'm interested in the storyline. I do feel like in the comic books, usually Moose is the one who's with Midge. And I feel like the, the only reason they're putting Fangs with Midge is just because at this point he's a bigger character than Moose, and leans mm -hmm. a little bit more by than than Moose did. Apparently, I don't know, but. I don't even know if they're going to bring Moose back this season, but if I had to choose between Fangs or Moose in the show, I choose Fangs. So, like, I, I kind of, I'm, I'm okay with seeing him and Midge together. I definitely agree. Fangs is much more of an interesting character for me than Moose. Like, if they were going to bring back Moose, I feel like we would want to see him with Kevin, maybe. But now Kevin has play, so we don't really, we don't even need Moose. Yeah, Moose just has no one, <laughs> so I guess there's no reason for him to be there, because we all know Riverdale's really about relationships. Like, poor Moose, did he even survive the comet? <laughs> oh, yeah, not looking good right now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> all right, um, next, we're at the Pembroke. Jughead makes a huge breakfast, um, probably mostly for himself, but he'll probably let Rob <laughs> have some, too. Uh, he makes a joke that he feels like little orphan Annie. And, and Veronica's like, does that make me Daddy Warbucks? <laughs> so, kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the answer is yes, Veronica. <laughs> mm -hmm. Next, we have a another Barchi scene um, where Archie confesses to Betty everything that's going on. He confesses that he didn't actually have sex with Cheryl, but he wants to help her. But Betty asks if he loves her because that's different. And marriage is for life. So, you know, they're again, they're having all these deep conversations, uh, even though they're not a couple. 
Yeah, leave leave it to Betty to to be the voice of reason to Archie's sort of unbridled kindness. Mm-hmm. And is this where Cheryl uh, walks up to them? Walks up to them and 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 oh, you know what? I think she does because she says she says very sort of coldly, Betty. <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess she kind of. Uh whisks Archie off because next they go to talk to Clifford Blossom and he has their whole lives He's like okay well next you're going to come work for me Archie and then uh, you guys are going to live here in in our uh, in Thornhill and blah 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 Cheryl is not happy about this Archie is just sur- taken by surprise Yes, understandably, I think. And then also uh, Clifford calls Archie's house a hovel, which I think is a little unfair. It's a very nice house. I mean, <laughs> it's not exactly a mansion, but mm-hmm. also Thornhill's kind of scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Archie does mention that he was kind of hoping that they could go live in his house. And he hadn't mentioned that to Cheryl yet, but that's something that Clifford is not approving of. So we have some more challenges for the share sheet pairing here. Meanwhile, at the dark room, Fangs has cleaned up. He's looking very preppy. Uh, He's got a little sweater on. And he tells Tony how poorly things went with Midge's parents. Like they don't want him to see her anymore. And this is even without them telling her without them telling the parents that she's pregnant. Yep. Not good. Not good. Big problem with their plan. But uh I don't know. Is is this where Tony offers up her, her new um plan for how she's gonna get uh Midge and Fangs together? I think so. She says that all right, it's not not a bad problem. Like all you have to do is become a mega superstar bigger than Elvis in the next four months. <laughs> yeah, should be easy. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> so, I mean, it could happen. We'll see. Um, yeah, um, I don't know what to say about this. <laughs> I mean, I I am excited to see how this plotline plays out. I really enjoyed seeing Fangs performing. And I know you like it when they sing in Riverdale. So there might be some yeah. singing in it for you. Yeah, like, uh, I liked when... Banks was performing uh, in episode two, and I think that if he does become a superstar, would he want to settle down with Midge? At that Ooh. point, I don't know. That could That's be a good problem. question. But they'll cross that bridge with it. In the meantime, Veronica and Jughead are back at his train car. And Veronica has completely renovated it. Jughead says she's turned it into the Orient Express, minus all the murder. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Jughead's train car looks crazy. I mean, like a little piece of the Pembroke. Right, like, I'm like, how does he have utilities in a train car? What does he do? Like, he has electricity. I'm sure he has running water, like. How? <laughs> Pretty freaking nice train car. Yeah, I want to live there. 
I know. That's what I was thinking, too. I was a little surprised that Jughead still wanted to live there, though, because, uh, you know, it was a bit it was a bit frillier than I think maybe he's used to. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Something about that. But at the end of the day, I think he appreciates all the effort Veronica put into it. Like, it's not clear if she did this by herself or if she had help. But, uh, you know, she worked her magic. She got it done. As she always does. Mm-hmm. Next, Alice confronts Betty about the book on sexuality. And Betty tells her the truth. Like, she's like, she's tired of all the lies and confusion she's hearing from Alice. And she wants to know what's up. Then Ethel comes down the stairs and confesses that it's her book. And then Betty snatches the book from Alice and runs upstairs. She says, I'm not done reading it yet. <laughs> I love that scene. Like I, I kind of like Betty being in charge of her own, you know, sexuality. Yeah, it is interesting. I was thinking about this uh, while I was watching the episode this morning. I was like, I wonder if they inserted the book into the uh like plot line so that they could have a reason that all of the Riverdale 1950s Riverdale characters would become knowledgeable and interested about sex because obviously it's Riverdale so they need to be having sex but at the same time it's the 1950s so maybe they wouldn't know about sex so they were like hmm what's the way around this I was interested that they finally had Ethel come back into this plot because it was kind of weird last episode when Betty had found this book and she didn't even mention it to Ethel and then she didn't even invite Ethel to the makeout party I mean I'm sure she would have been a bit of a Debbie Downer but (laughs) like it's still like you know what I'm saying like it was weird because like apparently they're living together but Sometimes Betty does not seem very concerned about what Ethel is dealing with. <laughs> yeah, I think Ethel can tend to get the short end of the stick. She doesn't get really like uh, invited to these big like friend group hangouts, as you said. Um, and... Jughead got invited. <laughs> Betty kissed Jughead, who was <laughs> Ethel's crush, like at the party, and I don't think Ethel knows about this. Not that it's not that they have to tell her, but. You know what I'm saying? It just seems like they're not friends. <laughs> oh, no. Definitely not. But I also love this 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 twist of Ethel kind of being a, a loner weirdo, kind of like um, you know, not only is she ordering these these sex books, but she's also drawing these crazy pictures. I like I like this new <laughs> dimension to her character. Yeah, she's certainly uh, um, she's how, I, how should I put this? She's certainly someone who marches to the beat of her own drum and uh, is uh, venturing off the the beaten path. (laughs) (laughs) So next we see Archie looking over an old postcard that his dad sent him from California. And they do this interesting kind of camera trick where he, t- he turns it over and then we see Cheryl looking at a postcard from Niagara Falls. 
So then Archie and Cheryl have a scene where he suggests that they should elope, go out west and become folk singers. And she's like, okay, let's try it. And Tony overhears them. Yeah, it's 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 very, very cute. But at the same time, I mean, you know, obviously you guys aren't going to leave Riverdale. We would never show without you. Right. Um, but I mean, it, it's also cute that Archie wants to become a folk singer because, of course, he does. He's such a, you know, a pie in the sky idea. But uh, very Archie, very um, in tune with his more poetic bent uh, in the 1950s, which is adorable. <laughs> All right, so in this next scene, Betty and Kevin, this is where um, they talk about Kevin's sexuality. And also, this is where she finds out that he got the pin from Alice. Um, and she asks him, like, did you ask her for it? And, she, and he makes, oh, no, she kind of gave it to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So- the full extent of Alice's manipulation is is coming out now, finally. Mm-hmm. But back at the girls' locker room, Tony confronts Cheryl about um, wanting to run away with Archie, and Tony warns her not to do it. She tells her, like, I know what you're going through because I've been through the same thing myself, and eventually you're going to have to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and make peace with the choices you've made and are you comfortable with the choices you're making right now so she really kind of uh forces cheryl to look at and and the seriousness of it yeah tony's giving out good advice this episode left right and center so thank god for her because i think the other cast would be in shambles oh definitely yeah so then we return to the cooper home Alice tells Betty that her friend Janet from Social Services has sent Ethel to the Sisters of Quiet Mercy, just like they did Polly. So they we get a Polly mention here. We, we do find out that, again, she's with the sisters, and now so is Ethel. Because, apparently, because she's a sexual deviant and a murderer, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Betty has this funny line. She's like, not the sisters like they do experiments on people and Alice is like that's been debunked what are you talking about (laughs) and then Betty confronts Alice about giving the pin to Kevin and Alice gaslights her hardcore she downplays all her concerns and on top of that she tells her that she burned the sex book so we're back to typical Alice being terribly uh, antagonistic towards Betty. Um, I remember seasons ago when she burned all Betty's diaries. Now she's burning the sex book. Like, stop book burning, Alice. It's not cool. <laughs> yeah, there has to be an easier way. You can't just throw it away. <laughs> you can't put it in a shredder. But uh, and she also loved sending people to the Sisters of Quiet Mercy, which makes me wonder if we're gonna get another Sisters of Quiet Mercy like breakout episode where where they go to rescue um ethel and polly from from the sisters um because we've done that with cheryl we've done that with a lot of the other kids who were in the sisters of quiet mercy who were all kind of like 
camping out in the Cooper household for a while. Yeah, I feel like Betty saved Ethel from them before. Yeah, it's it's only right that she do it again, I guess. Yeah. Remember when she was the uh, gargoyle queen? <laughs> How could I The Griffin queen, that's what it was. She was the Griffin queen. She was the Griffin queen. They Was it like a sewer system or like an underground tunnel that they escaped through? I'm sure. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember it being a pretty fun little adventure, but I'm not sure if I want them to rehash it. But also, like, they gotta break Ethel out, right? They're not gonna just leave her in there. Yeah. Like, like Ethel, again, justice for Ethel. <laughs> justice for Ethel, literally. So, next, Archie is waiting at the girl. But Cheryl arrives in their big red convertible, and she looks fabulous. Uh, she's got, like, a black headscarf on and sunglasses, and, and and she tearfully breaks up with Archie and talks about how great a guy he is. And he says, perhaps he should write a poem to Betty, of all people. So what do you think of this well, I do really like that Archie seems pretty easy to, like, sort of misdirect onto another girl. Like, uh, you know, we think about his thing with Veronica earlier on, and then after Veronica kind of turned him down, uh, and then he turned her down, you know, there's a sort of mutual turning down situation when Julian came up to Archie and was like, you should try going out with my sister. Archie was like, yeah. And now and now Cheryl's like, you should try going out with Betty. Archie's like, yeah. He's just, you know, <laughs> he'll 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 uh do whatever, which I guess is sort of similar to the comics. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, in the comic books he was always eager to date any girl, um, especially Betty or Veronica. But I feel like um I feel like it was a little odd for her to suggest Betty because I feel like most people still think that Betty and Kevin are together, even if they've kind of broken up this episode a little bit. Uh, Like how much does, how much does Cheryl know Betty to, does she see the sparks between them? Hmm. That's a good question. Maybe Cheryl's gaydar is just really good. And so she's like, oh, Kevin and Betty are not long for this world. <laughs> See, I was going to say the opposite. Maybe she s- sees that Betty actually is straight for Archie or like horny for Archie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, it was interesting. Um, and then the next scene, uh, Unchained Melody is playing again in the scene between Cheryl and Tony. Tony offers Cheryl a book, The Cost of Pepper, which apparently is a spoof of a book called The Price of Salt. <laughs> Interesting. Well, yeah. I could recognize that it was it was a uh, sort of lesbian love story. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Um, hopefully Cheryl will read it and get back to Tony with her uh, take on it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, next, Archie indeed writes a poem for Betty, and he looks across the window to see her looking very sad in her room. And he goes down the stairs, but before he can deliver it to, before he can deliver it to her, he sees that Uncle Frank has come back to town. 
And this version of Uncle Frank has a really noticeable mustache. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's got a mustache mustache. <laughs> and why is he here? He says, to knock some heads, starting with yours, Archie. Uh-oh. So, who knows what this, where this will lead. Um, I'm definitely curious as to whether uh, Uncle Frank is going to take on more of a, a father figure role or maybe a bit of a, a villainous role. I mean, he's he's flip-flopped a little bit in the past. Yeah, he's he's been kind of a weird character because I feel like he was brought in kind of as a, I hate to say replacement for Luke Perry's character, but, you know, I guess they thought Archie needed a, a male father figure, but Uncle Frank was always a little less um, respectable than Fred, I guess. I would agree with that. And yeah, he can be kind of antagonistic sometimes, so. We'll see how they use him in this season. I remember last season that he had a little thing going on with with uh, Alice, but I don't think that they'll get back into that here. Do you have any theories or do you want to save them for later? Oh, well, I don't know. I am actually a bit surprised that Archie can't confide in his mother and, and, and Frank, but... um. You know about about Cheryl's situation, and 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 I just asked them to keep it secret from the Blossoms. But maybe he'll have a chance to clarify everything. At least I I I hope that Frank doesn't actually end up knocking his head, whatever that means. Um, well, speaking of that, um, at this point, Cheryl has broken up with Archie, and we didn't get a scene where she tells her family. A scene where Archie tells his family. We didn't get any kind of resolution. Uh, I, do you think that they'll they'll continue on this next episode? Um, honestly, I'm not sure. I think that it's entirely possible that they won't. I think it's entirely possible, knowing Riverdale, that they'll just be like, "Oh, it's done now. Don't worry about it." But we will definitely see. Well, um. We'll talk more about the promo in a bit, but I did see a scene where it looked like Cheryl and Archie were having sex again. Mm, uh oh! And I, I, I really want to believe that it's like a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nightmare for us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it looked like like Archie was scared or dead or something, but <laughs> oh no! Like I don't know what's going on. We'll talk more about that in a minute, but yeah. With all the fuss about uh, the lie that Archie was with Cheryl, I feel like we need to see some resolution or some some confessions going on where where that's no longer an issue. You know, because just because they break up doesn't mean that their families are going to want them to break up. I agree. We have a lot of meddling families in this in this season. Yeah. For now, that's the end of their plot in this episode. We have one final scene where Jughead is with Veronica at the Pembroke. He tells her about Ethel being sent off to the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. And they're, they both kind of uh, feel bad for her. And somehow this leads them to kiss. 
<laughs> and I didn't write it down, but it's I feel like the song comes back again, Unchained Melody. <laughs> and there's a subtle record skip at the climax of the song. Like, did you notice that? I didn't notice that though. That's 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 you have a good ear. Um maybe it's a it's a metaphor for uh, you know, all the all the timeline dimension weirdnesses. Definitely. Or- I feel like that was a uh, intentional um, little uh, hint that this is not 100% how things should be, or or it's definitely not how things used to be. Like it's it's very different. We never really saw Jughead and Veronica getting this close. Like we've seen them kiss, but they were not this close. And um. And and, I, and it was a very subtle record skip. Because in the previous episodes, we had really loud record scratches. So this wasn't that. It was more like, I don't know. It was interesting. Um, I think there's a lot to talk about here. Um, what, what are your thoughts on um, Jug Ronica or whatever we call them? <laughs> Jug Ronica, Jeronica, uh, Vughead. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Something to think about, definitely. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, 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 like I said, I'm, I'm willing to try it out because I really do think that there's a sort of, there's a basis for a relationship here. But also, Jughead is really different from the kind of guys that that Veronica usually goes for, as we know very well. So uh, I have a few things to say here. Um, first, I would say that I recall there was one version of the Archie comic books um, where Jughead actually was like he came from a rich family. And that's why his name is Forsyth Pendleton Jones III. Like who, who else but a rich person is named that? You know? <laughs> um, but I think his family did like lose their wealth in that storyline. And that was in an alternate storyline. Um, when I think back to the mainstream comics, I don't remember Jughead being particularly rich, but I don't think he was poor either. But I think, I think that it works for Jughead to have, as a contrast to Veronica. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely think the contrast could be interesting. Mm-hmm. And secondly, what I want to say about them as a couple is like, honestly, I'm surprised it took this long because I have been saying since season five and please don't get me wrong for saying this, but like, honestly, I felt like when Tabitha came to the show, I feel like she basically took over Veronica's plot lines. Because you if you remember, Veronica used to be running pops. Like Veronica used to be, you know, um, you know, a waitress at pops. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a good point. Um Tabitha Tabitha kind of becomes a CEO herself. And I mean, Veronica's still a CEO. She's the she wolf of Wall Street. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I, like, I. But when they yeah. did the time jump, I was like, 
kind of surprised that they would bring in a new character like Tabitha and then set her up with Jughead because they could have very easily given that plot to Veronica. It would have given her a reason to be in Riverdale. Like if she was broke and her only business that was working was pops, you know, that would have given her a reason to be there. Whereas at, at that time they gave her Chad and then they ch- kept trying to force her to make up reasons to be in Riverdale. And, you know, like it was weird because they, she kept having her own plot lines that didn't have much to do with the gang. Like she was building the casino and then eventually she was with Reggie. So like, I don't know. I feel like they were a little aimless with what they were doing with Veronica. And you, I, I imagine a world where the show was a little bit tighter, the, the cast was a little bit smaller, where you would have had a had season five, Barchi and Jeronica. But yeah, maybe I'm just crazy. <laughs> no, I think I think there's some validity to that. I I really like Tabitha, and I am bummed that she's kind of been essentially written out of this season. But yeah. also at the time, I was like, I'm not 100 percent sure why they're adding a new character. Um, especially when that new character, at times, it felt like she was kind of just there to be Jughead's girlfriend. Um, but you know, I. I do. I I both love and hate that Riverdale is such a sprawling show. There's so many characters. There's so many plot lines. So much stuff just does not get resolved or fully flushed out in the way that it should. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, that's kind of like that's that's kind of the charm of it for me. Um, so and and I also like that they're they're willing to experiment now with this with this new relationship. Yeah. Um, I will be very interested to see where it goes. Yeah, like at this point, I don't have any regrets. Like, I'm glad that we did get Tabitha. I like Tabitha. I hope she comes back soon. Um, and and I'm not disappointed uh, with any... I mean, I don't want to say that. With Veronica, I am... Uh, I'm just glad that, you know, they're continuing to find plots for her. I feel like they're using her better now than they did sometimes in previous seasons. Um, yes. She's definitely much more folded into some of the main plot lines this time rather than kind of just being off on her own side quest, like you said. And it'll be interesting what they do with Reggie if, when they bring him back and how he folds back into the cast. Like at this point, there's not a lot of room for him, it feels like. Mm-mm. But I really do want him to come back. I mean, yeah. well, we do know where he has room. He has room uh, uh, exploring Archie's sexuality. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that plot line. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't wait to see what that entails. Um, so, any other thoughts about this episode? No, I mean, I think that's pretty much it. Do we want to talk about our, our theories? Sure. Um, all right, so we didn't get any updates on who the milkman might be. Um, I think we kind of eliminated a few suspects. Like, we know it's not Jughead or Ethel, hopefully. Um, I still think it's Bernie. I mean, do you have any new thoughts on that front? 
I still okay I guess I could see it going a couple ways I still kind of think it's a supernatural thing from the the timeline messiness could be um but I could also see it being I mean you know we got a couple serial killers in the mix over here we got Hal Mm -hmm. um we got a couple uh you know Clifford is not (laughs) he's not really pure of heart either true um there there could be many reasons that someone would want to kill Ethel's parents, but I do agree. I think it's definitely not Ethel. Yeah. But I think a lot of people are, are betting on how, and I feel like he's one of the more obvious suspects. Like I wouldn't, like they have done so much to kind of reinvent past plots. It would not be a big surprise. That's why I'm kind of leaning towards a more surprise um, of a background character. But I don't know. But speaking of Hal, I want to go back to this issue of, like, what is going on with Hal and Alice and the pin and all that stuff? Like, is she essentially saying that Hal was gay? And <laughs> is that why she was so insistent that Betty, that it was just a, that what Kevin's going through was just a phase? Or was Alice gay? And that when she got pinned, that repressed her urges? Or or is she just talking about, like, or is this more similar to when she had a baby with FP in the past, like in the in the other timeline, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. like what is going on there? It definitely sounded like it was being implied. You know, she said all this stuff about those carnal feelings. They don't last. You know, I can tell you from experience that the the important thing is like getting married and, and you know, like taking care of each other. Although it didn't sound that nice. Um, she spoke like she had experience with at least some of that stuff, either repressing feelings or repressing you know being gay or trying to convince someone else not to be gay i agree with you i think they're leading us to something here i think we're gonna find out something not so savory about uh, alice and hal or alice and somebody else well speaking of um are gay or repressing gay things um i want to go back to the whole uh you know shoney and uh clavin uh relationships because I still have a little bit to say about that like this is the fourth episode and my opinion is not being changed like I really am a little bit frustrated that that the black characters are are not getting a lot of uh a like they're really just kind of here in a support role. Like they're just emotionally supporting everybody else. Like Clay doesn't even get any lines this episode. He's just hugging Kevin and Tony is supporting everybody in this episode. Like she's helping Fangs and Midge. She's, she's trying to help Cheryl. Like I'm like, can we give these characters a little bit of plot or characterization? Like, can we see their parents? Can we see what their struggles are? Can someone help them with something? Like, you know, I, it's a little frustrating for me. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I definitely noticed that as well. And also like, um, 
the the fact this is what I'm a little concerned about too is that Clay's just gonna kind of be written off or like written to the side I suppose and and Kevin as well honestly like I think it's possible that now that that plot line is I mean it's not resolved but uh it's they're clearly winding it down a bit by having Betty like forgive Kevin and shifting kind of the antagonism onto Betty's mom I kind of wonder how much of Clay and Kevin we're gonna see after this yeah I mean it doesn't look good if if uh this is what we've gotten to this point I mean who knows they might surprise us but like I said all I want is a little more depth a little more characterization it's I think that if you're going to uh, have these recurring cast members, they deserve it. But totally, I I totally agree. Um, so uh, let's talk a little bit about the promo. We already s- spoke about the s- the scene where Cheryl and Archie are having sex, S E X. But um, but it seems like. Everyone's horny in this next episode. Betty and Veronica are very creepily saying, come play with us. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Betty has a beehive hairdo for some reason. And then she passes out. She's foaming at the mouth and Archie's like trying to help her. So I feel like a lot of next episode has to be a dream sequence. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that gave gave me dream sequence, especially because at the very end we have Veronica saying, oh, that was grotesque, mm-hmm. like smiling. Or maybe it's um, maybe it's Jughead uh, writing more more comic books. Possibly. Like, I legitimately have no idea what to expect in this next episode. <laughs> hey, I love it when they get weird with it. So yeah. I'm excited. It'll be fun. <laughs> All right. So it's time to rank the episode. Is it a 10? Let's find out. Would you like to go first? Sure. Well, uh, you know that I like to rate a little bit harshly. Um, And I'm going to say this episode was like just, it was just middle of the road for me. I think that there were points at which it really dragged and it kind of had the classic Riverdale malaise of, of a lot of characters just sitting around and talking and especially because they had an opportunity to include Dr. Colonel Jr. but didn't. I am going to have to give this a 5 out of 10. Okay. Um, I, as you know, I'm, I'm a little more generous. So, uh, we're in the final season, so I'm just, like, trying to grade them on a curve and say, you know, they're doing their best. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're, and, be- you're being encouraging. That's wonderful. And I'm going to give them another 8. Like, um, these past three episodes have been pretty consistent for me um i like i do like the drama that's going on um i mean it's not um certainly not a 10 but um it's not a nine either just because like like i said it is a little bit slow um but i did like that it is giving the characters time to figure out their feelings, figure out their sexuality, figure themselves out. Um, like, I thought that was handled pretty well. Like, um, I feel like there's even more to be said about Cheryl's journey here. Because I, from what I've heard fans talk about, 
um, like there's a bit of a mixed opinion about if this show is being respectful of the fact that she's a lesbian. Um, because now we're in the 50s and she is in these more heterosexual plots, but it's also, you know, for a reason. So, and she still very much has homosexual urges. So it's like, you know, it's not that she's not a lesbian. It's just that she hasn't discovered her true feelings yet, I guess, or embraced them. Um, so I don't know. I think they did a good job um, showing her struggle and ultimately uh, getting her to break up with Archie. <laughs> <laughs> like it was, it was entertaining. In uh, a killer outfit, as you said. Oh yes, yeah, she always looks good. Um, the costuming is always on point. Um, I mean, what else is there to say? Um, I'm entertained. I'm excited for the next episode. And um, yeah, um, I think that's about it. So, um, any final thoughts? No, I think I think I think that's all for me. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kennedy, for joining me again on this Riverdale Review. Thank you, everyone listening. If you enjoyed this DMV Comic Book Nerds podcast and would like to hear more, please like, rate, subscribe, and review us on your app of choice. We are currently on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Twitter, and Reddit. Your feedback and engagement means a lot to us. So we hope you can tell us what you think. Um, Tell us if we're wrong about anything or uh, if we're right about anything and we'll catch you next time Riverdalians. Can you dig it? (laughs) Goodbye. Bye.